0: Station 13 may cover topics that are not suitable for all listeners, such as death, body gore, and homicide, not to mention the paranormal. We also like to swear on occasion. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to Station 13. Grab a glass of wine and put your kids to bed. This is DJ Void, signing back on. On the top of today's show, I would like to announce we have added a brand new section to the site's webpage. This page is called Community Causes, and on it we will be sharing causes in the community that need funding, whether that be charities that are struggling, those suffering from loss of housing due to disability, sexuality, or orientation, and those looking to fund surgeries for people or pets they find dear. If you'd like to have your story shared through the Community Causes page, or on the podcast, please reach out through thestation13.com. This page's first call to aid is for Luke O'Ryan and their queer platonic partner, Betty. Luke recently became a wheelchair user to help with their mobility and are currently struggling to afford a place to stay permanently. They are currently living in a van in an unfamiliar state with their two fur children as they try to find a safe place to call home. You can locate Luke's Coffee page to donate through the page on the site listed above, where they post general life updates and their art. Their music will also be featured on the cast in the future. I implore anyone with a heart large enough and funds they were able to part with to help them on their journey. Hello everyone and welcome back to Station 13. I hope you missed us during our short intermission, as I've sure missed you. I come to you today a year older and a whole lot more tired. I actually woke up on my birthday only to listen to all my bones crack, like that snap, crackle, and pop cereal. It really is strange to watch the body change with age. I mean, it feels like a week ago I was some pathetic kid in middle school, but I'd rather go on forgetting what those years were like. Oh, huge shout out to the four of you that listened to the last show the moment it dropped. A little out of character there, but damn, that means so much for my old radio host heart. Anyway, I was made aware that several people missed the HOA meeting this past July, and let me tell you, the old ones are not pleased. I got a damn earful. Keep your absence in mind when they paint our doorways this winter. You may just be punished for your rudeness. Hell, I even went, and I am luckily not required to, but they scare me. Absolutely terrify me to my little soul. Now, with the unfathomable old ones striking fear into me at the bi-monthly meeting, I come back today with more confessions from the box posted on my lawn. It actually filled up quite nicely this time. The first pick reads... I like having staring contests with the neighbors. I'm not necessarily interested in any of them, but I do enjoy striking fear into them. Wonder if I'll go to hell for this. Well, Charles, you may not go to hell for that, but I'm glad to finally know why you try to stare at me when I take out the trash. Thought you were going to yell at me for forgetting to sort something into the recycling. Yes, I did just name you. You're the only one who can stare for longer than ten minutes without blinking. Moving on. I stopped watching sermons on the TV. They're boring, and honestly, I can't handle it anymore. The kids would much rather watch Bluey anyways. Well, I can't yell at you for that. The sermons on the gods do get pretty drawn out and boring after a while. Doesn't mean you lost your faith. You're just tired. Give yourself a break, my friend. Personally, I'm very tired of the cars parked on the street. Their alarms always go off when the trash garblins come out, and I am considering starting a petition to build a parking lot so we can limit the street parking. For now, I'm admittably the ones leaving the notes on vehicles asking them to be moved. Honestly, that's a pretty good idea. I learned to drown out the alarm noise with some soundproofing and an Advil PM, but it's still aggravating when I'm up late writing. Start your petition and drop by my house. I'll be the first to sign. I've been bringing my trash out late at night to avoid Charles' stares. I don't know what he wants, but it makes me feel guilty to ignore him like that. Oh, honey, well, I guess you know what he wants now, huh? Stare back. See who wins. I sometimes sneak into the community hall to use the kitchen. I know breaking an entry is illegal, but my power has been disabled by the creature in the woods and I'm sick of cold food. Oh my, that is purely terrible. Now, breaking into community hall will get you in trouble if caught, so come knock on my door. You should know the place. You can use my kitchen any time. right, last one for the day, and I'll save the rest for now. I know my husband is cheating on me. He thinks he's smart, but I've been finding blonde hair on the pillows, and no one in this house is a blonde. He blames the dog, but she's a red-haired golden retriever, so I am now also questioning his number of brain cells. Hopefully he hears this and realizes it's, it's time to pack. Oh, gods, now that's how to end on a tense note. Hey, dude, you may want to skedaddle there. Also, blaming the dog who isn't even the right color? Smart. Though I would suggest checking to see if your house is possessed first. Call the preacher from a couple towns over and have him give the place a thorough look. If he doesn't find anything, I'm sure he'd be down to help with the divorce. Well, that's the dirty laundry out of the hamper. I wonder what these confessions will turn into. They seem to be getting juicier and juicier each time. Just remember, folks of Hollow Creek, I am not your therapist. We have weekly therapy critters for that at the town hall, specifically on Wednesdays from 3 p.m. to midnight. If you're a night owl like me, the local bar hosts therapy dog night, Wednesdays from midnight to 4 a.m. Yeah, you'll miss out on seeing the crocodile, Mr. Cuddles, but you gotta take what you can get. Speaking of my lovely HOA, they will be hosting an adoption event on the 30th of August. It is not mandatory to attend for residents, but maybe you could go and find a new companion to keep you company during the power outages fall brings. Speaking of companions, while I was watching the news this morning, I actually got an update on the missing cat patches. Let me reiterate what was shared. A large creature wearing a calico coat and a nerving cat mask was found terrorizing a fish hatchery on the outskirts of Lebanon earlier this morning. It was wearing a tag with the name Patches, which was recovered after a failed attempt at capture. For now, the creature is still at large. It has been advised that interactions with this creature be avoided for the time being. This Patches doesn't seem intentionally harmful, but several workers of the hatchery were sent to the hospital due to this incident. Please be safe out there. While I am slightly relieved this creature is a bit farther away now, I am not so thrilled it is still on the loose. Honestly, the thought of it even existing terrifies me. I really wish people would stop creating new creatures for the hell of it. Honestly, the last time this happened, a Tao almost brought down our economy. Yes, I said a Tao. That is a deer-cow hybrid. And yes, those are entirely possible. Don't ask me how it almost broke our economy, though. Even I don't know the whole story there. Anyways, let's check in with the news while we're here.
1: Hello, everyone. Today's news is a little somber. Last night around 9 p.m., the town of Whitewater said goodbye to the benevolent Mayor Whiskers. It seems as the mayoral election was coming to a close, he saw death as more honorable than losing. This means Whitewater welcomed their new mayor, Professor Bites, this morning. A short pause of silence for Mr. Whiskers. On a less somber note, it's jellyfish season in Lake Michigan. Don't forget to prepare your micro lenses when heading to the dive spot this weekend. That's all for me, folks. Back to you, Void.
0: Ah, it's freshwater jelly season already. Boy, I love those little things. They are so darn cute. I've been considering getting a jellyfish tank for the office, but honestly, probably not a great idea when I get rained out every few days this time of year. Maybe I'll buy one of those child versions with the plastic fish. I'm sure the fluffy feline co-hosts would enjoy that quite a bit. Speaking of cute and fluffy things, I believe I should read another letter from Via. While I haven't quite gotten around to sorting out all the Jack Bear letters, I do know the second letter from Via included one. Let's hop into it, shall we? Here we go again. Another day, another tale from my youth. Last time I recounted my first night shift at Black River State Park on duty. A story my granddaughter didn't fully believe while she wrote it down for me. Of course, a lot of these stories aren't easy to believe when the beings I've seen were never publicly documented. But who can stop me from sharing them now? I'm dead. In this letter I will tell you about what my first month post-night shift was like. Working at the park, or at least what I remember of it. After my first overnight shift I was always just a bit on edge. The quietest branch snapping would make my arm goose pimple. I am ashamed to admit that I still had my doubts about actually lasting at this job. I remember the next few weeks patrolling the area being rather quiet. Surprisingly, the things I saw were much more mundane. A bear here, a skunk there, the occasional giant bird nesting in a very unfortunate place. Though one day is much more vivid in my memory. I had somehow found myself off the trail and patrolling an area I wasn't quite familiar with. Before I knew it, I had gotten myself fully turned around and the sun was starting to set. From what I knew of my night shift, this forest wasn't a place I wanted to be after dark, so I remember turning on my flashlight and trying to find trail markers on the nearby trees. I hate to admit it, but Lady Luck was not on my side that night. The only marks I could find were from the antlers of deer and not deer and rut. That's when I heard a rustle from the woods behind me. My whole body froze, and as I was counting my blessings and squeezing my eyes shut praying it would be over soon, I felt a fuzzy face meet with mine. I took a few deep breaths and opened my eyes to the face of a rabbit. I didn't know what it was until very recently. Turns out it was a jack bear. A large rabbit-headed creature with antlers and a body shaped more like a man. I won't lie, my heart calmed down just at the sight of it. It looked like a giant goof, and as I reached out to touch its head, it leaned in. When I had fully come to my senses, it took one good look at me and started to walk away, looking back, trying to encourage me to follow. I will admit I had my reservations about doing so. Mother always said not to follow strangers in the woods, but something told me it would be all right, and as it started walking again I followed. Surprisingly, well, probably not for you reading this, the lovely fellow led me back to the main trail that led to the ranger's lodge. I made sure to give it the carrots from my lunch bag before it wandered off, and was relieved that something so nice could live here too. It really made staying here easier, knowing I had a friend of sorts. The Jack Bear actually continued to return, sometimes just for treats and attention and sometimes returning hikers who had been lost for hours to the lodge's door. The head park ranger didn't seem too bothered by it, so I don't think we ever called it in. Unfortunately, that month wasn't all roses and daisies. The same month I came across something we did have to call in. I was patrolling a field in the early morning, making sure no one was camping in a restricted area. It wasn't uncommon to find a battered camper or two on these patrols, commonly beaten up by the smaller beings that call this forest home. They get real temperamental in the summer months due to the heat, and some campers just don't listen when we rope off their territory that morning, I was amused to find no one in the area, only to be met with the smell of decay as I entered the clearing. In front of me was a giant rose bigger than any of the massive birds that commonly nest in the area. I could see the arms and even legs of people hanging out of it, and the stench was unbearable. I remember several of us tossed our lunches when we came back to check it out, I believe the head ranger called it a Magna Rosa rubiginosa, which literally just translates to large rose. We had to call in the WDPCA to remove it, as it was classified as an invasive species in Wisconsin. It was honestly not that terrifying to look at in the stage it was in, but I know what they turn into when they've consumed enough flesh, and quite frankly I'm glad we didn't let it get that far. For now, I think we shall leave this letter here. That's all I really remember from the first month anyway. Most of the other events were on the tamer side. Teens trying to smoke pot here and bears trying to get into the trash cans there. Just the average things you'd find in most state parks. I wish you well, Void, and I hope my stories fare well for you. Ah, Via, you lived quite the life. Let me give you all a rundown on the Magna Rosa rubiginosa. Pardon my butchered pronunciation. These giant roses originate from Asia, specifically India. They thrive in dry soil and feed on anything with a beating pulse that enters their vicinity, trapping their prey in a manner akin to a Venus flytrap. These roses go through four main stages. Stage one, they look like any other rose usually red in color with black tips and a dark green stalk. At this stage, they feed on insects and rodents that they manage to lure in with their scent. Stage two is when they start to grow, moving on to large prey like civets and other large cats. This is when they start to lose their scent lure and begin to create mirages to capture these poor creatures. Stage three is when they start going after humans, and there are even some reports that the larger of the species are able to trap elephants. By stage three, their scent becomes pungent, and the smell of rot is overpowering. Now, the giant rose via encountered was luckily still in stage three, and she managed to find it early enough in the day that it wasn't active. If it had been too much later, it may have even tricked her into becoming its next meal. Stage four of the giant rose is the most bone-chilling one, as that is when it is able to start moving. Upon entering stage four of its growth, its body takes on a more human-like appearance, its stalk becoming legs similar to that of the treants, and its flower blooms to reveal a monstrous torso and face. By now, in its cycle, its only focus is to destroy and consume as much as possible, to propagate. It is reported that Giant Roses once wrecked several rural villages when left to their own devices. This is when it was decided that they should be culled yearly, and were too dangerous to ignore. I can't quite explain how one ended up in Wisconsin, but my guess is someone with more wealth than brains bought it as an exhibit piece, and decided to ditch it when it started to go past stage three. Everyone thinks it's so cool to own the equivalent of a Digimon until they realize it's not all sunshine and bumblebees. Anyway, enough with my impromptu report. Let's check out the weather. Unfortunately, Misk is unable to read the weather for us today, so she sent me the report just in case. Let's see. It looks like we finally reached the precipice of heat and by next week should begin cooling down again. Unfortunately, this will be met swiftly by the windy destruction of autumn. Now I hope you took our advice when it came to the rainy season, because boy oh boy does it look like we're in for some tornadoes this year. Probably to make up for the complete lack of them last year. So start stocking up on water and non-perishables now. The suns will set at 8.30 tonight, and as it is now owl-man breeding season, I suggest you find yourselves back in your home by 8.00. I am also happy to announce that eye worm season has passed us with a record number of low cases this year. Thank you everyone for appropriately taking your preventatives. Now back to the show. With the weather out of the way, it is time for us to hop on to the report part of the show. Normally, I would bring you a requested report on a cryptid or one I find interesting but today I figured I'd change it up a bit before I start exploring beings outside of Wisconsin. Today I will be bringing to you the Cumberland, Eau Claire, and Steinthal Beast. Next show we will cover the Hodag, the Man-Faced Pigs, and the Mineral Point Vampire before moving on to Illinois. So strap in and grab your drinks now. Cumberland, located in Barron County, Wisconsin, seems to be the most idyllic place to spot a Sasquatch. When you think of the infamous beast, however, you assume we are discussing sightings in Oregon, California, or even Washington. However, surprisingly, every year, sightings pop up in Cumberland. These sightings start with the St. Croix tribe, who dubbed this beast the Screeching Demon. It is said the creature lumbered into their camp one day and frightened everyone that laid eyes on it. Shortly after, the women of the camp, in an effort to protect their children, laid into the beast with brooms to scare it off. The elders stated that after the incident, the creature never set foot in the camp again, but could be seen on the outskirts of it. Fast forward to 1974, when two young siblings, Sharon and Shelley Brunette, were playing in their family's cornfield. As they made their way to the last row during a rowdy game of tag, they came face-to-face with a monstrous figure. They described it as a large, human, covered in matted hair. They claimed the beast seemed just as terrified as them, and after moments of locking eyes, both the beast and brunette siblings ran in different directions. Upon further recollection of their encounter, the siblings agreed the creature was about seven feet tall with arms that hung down to its knees, covered in black fur and reeking of onions. Bringing it forward another twenty-ish years, this Sasquatch-like creature was spotted again by someone driving through the town. Witness Dennis Murphy claimed he saw two of them, both standing around seven and eight feet tall. He claims to have spotted them on the edge of a cornfield, and while the smaller of the two tried to crouch down, The larger one simply stared as his car passed by. His description of the creature didn't seem too off from that of the brunette siblings, simply adding that they had human-like faces and that their fur was more of a whitish-gray. In the years following this, there were more sightings of the beast. To be more precise, sightings of him being a peeping tom, one of which he left large imposing prints and even stole the homeowner's rabbits. While sightings are still occurring to this day, it is only a matter of time before Wisconsin comes to mind when you think of the Sasquatch. Now, the Eau Claire beast is no imposing humanoid figure. It is said that it has a body more akin to a panther. On March 19, 1908, the La Crosse Tribune ran a very minute article about this beast. The article, while brief, mentioned that said creature was killing livestock, and stalking children of the local farmers. This would be the only public acknowledgement of the Eau Claire beast, but that didn't mean its time terrorizing Eau Claire was over. It was still taking off with farmers' livestock and prowling the woods, but would go mainly under the radar until 93 years later. In 2001, a woman who had just finished her shift at the local hospital was taking her normal route home on Highway 37. As she was on her way, she saw something on the side of the road. Slowing down to check what it was, she met with what she described as a large black panther. When confronted by the vehicle, it got up on its hind legs to reveal its imposing size, akin to that of a bear. Fearing this creature would attack her vehicle, the witness drove off in a fury. Nearly a full year later, this incident would be repeated in an almost identical fashion, An evening news producer left work around 11pm and was taking Highway 37 home. As she too slowed down to view this mysterious creature on the side of the road, her headlights illuminated the being. This caused the creature to flee into the brush, with her reporting that it had quite a large frame, but the body shape of a large cat. Unfortunately, this sighting in 2002 seems to be where the sightings end. However, there have been several reports of big cats in Wisconsin for several generations, so who's to say some of the newer ones aren't this legendary beast? Now, on to the final beast of this list. A monster rarely heard about outside of Wisconsin, much less its country of origin. Steinthal, a small, unincorporated community within the boundaries of Eaton, In Milwaukee County would be absolutely blindsided one day in 1965, for this is the day when the beast simply popped into existence in the abandoned farmhouse of Leo Schweitzer. A year prior, the Schweitzer family was actually still happily living in the home, until a fire broke out under mysterious circumstances and took out the barn and half of the family home. Rather than repair after the devastating event, Leo took his family and moved elsewhere, leaving up private property signs to protect his land. Of course, I know very few people who heed those signs even now, so of course several people were eager to explore the property. It didn't take long before it became the town's teenage hotspot for young lovers, offering them a secluded place to collude and a sense of danger to add to the thrill. This led to several stories of horror evolving from the rundown property. Classic tales of hauntings or a sinister slasher lurking around the outskirts. Ironically, the land's owner, Leo, was also made aware of these trespassers, but seemed fine, provided they respected the property itself even going so far as to ask the local sheriff to keep an eye on who enters and check for damage now and again. As the tales continued to evolve as they passed from teen to teen, no one was prepared for what they would truly turn into. For at midnight precisely on a cold fall night was when the Beast of Steinthal finally made its appearance. No one is quite sure who exactly saw the creature first, but word spread swiftly, and shortly everyone was clattering to try and catch a glimpse of this creature. This led to teens piling into the nearest vehicle and arriving at the property in the dead of night. The old childish dare of entering the house turned into impromptu monster hunts, as they do so often. Now, of course, the sightings of this monster were few and far between, alluding most junior detectives doing their best. Unfortunately, there is no hard and true description of this rumored monster, but some say it was a hulking figure at seven feet tall, with hair covering its body and two far-set glowing green eyes. Others say it was over nine feet tall, still sporting the long shaggy hair and a single giant green eye in the center of its face. The last reported sighting claims this beast, while still covered in shaggy hair, and being an opposing figure at nine feet tall, had three glowing green eyes. Of course, this can be chalked up to teens not being too creative when it comes to creating a monster of legend. Of course, teens were not the only crowd going to find this monster. The adults of Kiel would hear their tales, and with their own curiosity piqued, would go and hold their own investigations. Of course, when adults would catch a glimpse of this creature, instead of heading home, they'd visit the local bar, and the story would spread even further. This in particular led to a rush of people of all ages taking turns exploring the Schweitzer property, trying to catch a glimpse of the mysterious monster. However, on October 1st, 1966, the Steinthal beast would go from great fun and a breath of fresh air To being overshadowed by a tragedy. For our report's sake, I will mention that the beast itself had little to do with this tragedy, other than location. You see, that night, a set of siblings were on a double date with their respective partners. Of course, this date included a movie and a trip to the Schweitzer property for some light monster hunting. They spent a good 15 to 20 minutes on the property teasing each other the whole while before heading home. Around the same time, a local man was leaving the tavern after a few drinks. It is said he was not visibly intoxicated as he left the building, and got into his car headed in the same direction as the teens. This is where this story gets to its heartbreaking conclusion. As the teens stopped their car at an intersection that was previously deemed hazardous, the man didn't even take a beat to slow his. This led to the man hitting the teen's car with enough force to roll both vehicles multiple times. Unfortunately, in this accident, three of the teens lost their life, and left the last one critically injured. This led to the Steinthal Beast craze dying out to just a whisper of the flame it once was. Understandably, of course. Along with that, people began to become retrospective, Realizing that as soon as they fled the farm, on their late-night monster hunts, they put themselves and others in danger, never minding the speed limit or others on the road in their fear, a once light-hearted, goofy adventure turning into a tale of road safety and being forever linked with the worst car accident in all of Manitowoc County. As the town began to quiet again after a year full of excitement, people began to question what the Steinthal monster could have actually been. Some of the best explanations seemed to originate from local hunters and trackers in the area. They brought up the fact that the Schweitzer property was not too far from the likes of natural springs, small swamps, and a few quagmires. This led to the belief that what those people were seeing was simply deer jumping fences, as their eyeshine gives off the same green glow as described above. Another hunter stated that it was more likely these deers were standing on their hind legs to eat crab apples, giving them the foreboding height of seven feet tall, but still deer nonetheless. Of course, some older locals had their own ideas, like that it was simply a black bear. Black bears, while not common in Manitowoc County, are also not rare. It would not only explain the seven to eight foot height, but also the accounts that the creature had shaggy, dark fur. Now an even less accepted theory is that these people actually saw a Bigfoot on the property, one that got chased away by the constant presence of humans. Whatever the Steinthal monster actually is, it is now, for the most part, lost to time, and tangled with a tragedy far greater than its original legend. I do wish all living relatives of those who passed in the accident are able to live life to the fullest. Now, with the report out of the way, I will say this regarding the last story. I do not condone drinking and driving of any sort. Always bring a designated driver with you if you wish to indulge yourself in alcohol. It is the least you can do to not cause another accident on Wisconsin roads. (sighs) Anyway, let's head to commercial.
1: Thank you everyone for joining us today on Station 13. Today we are highlighting Lyric Dimig of Lapcat Creations and Rain of Paracosm Entertainment. Lyric provided Station 13 with its wonderful podcast cover art, the opening tune, and their voice as Garth Strongwater. If you like their work or would like to view other pieces they have for sale, including some very cute knit items, check out their website lapcatcreations.square.site. That's lap hyphen cat hyphen creations dot dot site Rain lends their voice to our wonderful weathercaster, Misk, and you can find their voice elsewhere on their podcast, Onward and Onward and Paracosm Entertainment on Twitch and YouTube. Would you like your horror story to be featured on Station 13? Or maybe your own favorite local cryptid? And what about your newest music? Maybe you even wish to support what we endeavor to do here and help our staff feed their fluffy co-hosts. Well, head over to thestation13.com. That's T-H-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N-13.com. For the link to our patreon and submission information we'll see you there
0: welcome back to the show everyone while that played for you all i took a minute to collect my thoughts after the report and decided which direction i'd like to take this episode now i figured why not share with you all the news that i actually have been contacted by the writer of the mysterious letter from the last show. Apparently his new friends heard me reading it and urged him to write in again. As a brief reprieve, I have decided to read it for you all. Hello, Void. It seems the events of my first few days here that I wrote down ended up on your show. Honestly, probably wouldn't have even known if my friends didn't show me the recap. But yes, I am not from this place. "'This universe, I guess. "'I come from a place with a singular sun and moon "'and far less creepy creatures skittering about. "'After I got out of the cabin, "'the man I had followed set me up in an apartment with his nephew, "'who very quickly became my friend. "'I found a job and started paying my way "'as the nephew, Stephen, "'took his time explaining everything to me. "'It took me a while to grasp the fact "'that I'd probably never see my family or girlfriend again.' But that letter is also about four years old now, so I have finally begun to adjust. I also did some research about how I got here, or what happened to me, and turns out there is a whole support group. We meet online monthly, in World of Warcraft, which I'm surprised is still going so strong here. Turns out people call us migrants, which makes sense, honestly. That's basically what I was, and still kind of am. I figured if I write in to you today, more migrants like me may find a safe place to get help. So in reality, thanks for sharing my story, I guess. Even if I wasn't really the person that sent it in. With lessening terror, Ethan. Honestly, hearing from Ethan after reading his story really made me question how common this occurrence is. I mean, it also seems my signal reaches wherever he came from if those strange emails a while back are anything to go by. I do, however, feel bad that those like Ethan are taken from a more stable world and transported here, where at any moment a being could find you a tasty treat and snatch you away. It must be a terrifying nightmare at first for some, especially if there are any younglings that landed here. If anyone you know happens to be a migrant or you yourself are one, I suppose you now know there is a group out there for you. Speaking of unfortunate nightmares, I have actually been having one recently. Normally I'd keep these things to myself, especially after our first show, where I had to make the tough decision to move out of my old apartment. However, this nightmare has been consistent for the last few weeks. Quite frankly, I just need to get this out of my head. The nightmare always starts out quite simple. I wake up in a sterile environment with white walls and a hospital bed. Luckily, there are never any needles in my arm, which I am thankful for. I find myself always making my way to the entrance of the building I'm in, family and friends greeting me along the way until I come across a sign outside the building. I find myself trying to read that sign, sometimes with success and others not, This is when it gets troubling. As I read or fail to read the signs, the lively greetings of those I hold dear turn into torturous screams. Looking back at them reveals the building up in flames, with the doors keeping everyone in. Running to the doors and trying to pry them open leaves me with heated palms and a pain that always feels too real to be just a dream. This is when he shows up. A tall, pitch-black figure towering over the group and grinning from ear to pointed ear. When I manage to notice him, he always says the same thing. This is my realm to control, not yours. Before the building and my loved ones inside melt into the ground. Sometimes I am lucky enough that the dream ends there. Other times I am not. If the nightmare does proceed past this point, I find myself in a barren landscape, filled with fire, my eyes burning from sulfur and my skin starting to peel away from the muscle. Moving my way through the environment, my body will start to fall apart, piece by piece, until I'm met with the tall being again. He always laughs and glares at me as I make my slow march up to him. By the time I reach him, I am commonly nothing more than bones— My body aching in ways I didn't know possible. This is when, no matter how hard I try to fight him and spew vitriol at him for what he's done to my dreamscape, I wake up covered in sweat and tears, falling from my eyes. This is not a nightmare I'd wish on anyone, as the pain is so real that even my hands show the signs of trying to open the doors trapping my loved ones in. I've had the nightmare every few days now. I'm not quite sure if it is trying to tell me something, but if you are experiencing something similar, I'd appreciate you reaching out so I know I am not alone. I just, I would like to no longer be terrorized by this creature. For now, I think I will call it a night. I am getting over quite the nasty cold that hit me shortly after the last episode. The rain really does a number on my immune system. We shall see you next time. Remember, take everything said here with a grain of salt and a pinch over your shoulder. By the way, it's 10pm. Do you know where your children are? DJ Void, signing off. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Station 13. A special thanks to Lyric of Labcat Creations and Rain from Onward and Onward for their voice work on the show, voicing Garth Strongwater and Misk, respectively. If you're looking to get another fix of fun and horror, why not give Dangerous Times at Chilhaven High a listen? They're currently on hiatus, and now would be a great time to catch up on their prior adventures in the Monster of the Week TTRPG. If you'd like to contact us about sharing a story, a song, or cause on our show, or even wish to support what we endeavor to do here, or even hire one of our voice actors, please feel free to contact us on thestation13.com. Have a wonderful day, and we hope to see you again next time.